So I want to introduce Mama Gail, all the way from Albuquerque. I love Mama Gail so much. And she, that's not true. Well, maybe it is. What did you say? What did you say? Mama Gail has been a huge part in, in our lives, you know, since we've met her. And, you know, the day, the first time we went to New Life City in Albuquerque, her and Alan, and we just all had this weird connection that you shouldn't have with people that you just met. But we did, and little oh. did we know that, that God was going to connect us. And uh, so I'm, I'm super happy. We've been trying to get her down here since we got in the building. And I realized that there was a trick. Like, it's not, you don't ask Mama Gail to come. Um, Alan actually says, if you want me to come, get with Mama Gail. But what I realized is there's a person that we need to talk to. And, and, th and that's this man right here. Yes. Anthony loves this house so much. And all I have to do is say, hey, uh, you think we can get your mom down here? <laughs> So I th it yes. took him a few months, but he finally convinced her. And a grandson. And a grandson. There and you go. so, there you go. yes, can we just give her a round of applause? Okay, so the Lord is already moving because my message is on gratefulness. And Michael didn't know that. See how God works? It's an amazing. But I, am I on... I feel like I'm on, but I don't know if I'm on. Can you hear me? That's all I really yeah. care about. You can hear me. Okay, so already this is normal for me. We may go a different direction. I have, I have notes. I have slides. I have videos. I have everything, and who knows if I'll use any of it because as we were singing that last little bit, first of all, let me ask you, are there any of you that are new to this? Fellowship. Have y'all all been here other than Felicity? Everybody been here? You're not a guest. Are y'all new? Hallelujah. You're visiting. Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Well, welcome. Um, so as we're worshiping and there, we're singing that last song, the Lord just brought this scripture to mind. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he goes on to say, do not quench the spirit. Huh, I've never noticed that. Do you think not being grateful quenches the spirit? Never quite seen it quite like that, because, you know, we just, we just read scripture so much, and we don't even pay attention to what it's telling us. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. So I have a question for you, and I just want you to be really honest. Do you, do you follow that? Are you, do you give thanks in all circumstances? Every one of them? All circumstances? All the time? It's hard, isn't it? So it's really kind of funny. I, I entitled this, and you can put that slide up there. I entitled this, go to the first one, A Beautiful Mind. So I'll just be honest with you. Part of the reason why I've never come down here is because I'm like, what would I say? 
I don't have a message to, that's not totally true, but that's where my mind goes. And then the Lord began to speak to me. I don't even preach in New, at New Life City in Albuquerque maybe once every nine months. And it, I mean, God really has to put something on my heart. I'm not one. I'm not, I almost said never, but I stopped myself. <laughs> oh, I learned a long time ago, do not curse yourself with your words. I do not usually enjoy speaking. So, therefore... God really has to do something in order to stir me, to get me to actually say, okay, I have a message, I, I will do something. But last fall, he began to speak to me about thankfulness. But I don't tell anybody, because I know if I say something, they're going to make me get up there. <laughs> so I didn't say anything, and I don't remember. Alan was, oh, Alan and Anthony went to the Dominican Republic, and I said, okay, Thanksgiving, you know, we actually have a national holiday that's called Thanksgiving. That's pretty phenomenal. I don't know that very many people follow it in, in, the, in the Christian sort of way, but, but we have a national holiday. And so I thought, well, all right, I'll do my Thanksgiving message while you're in um, the Dominican. And as I pressed in, because when I say I will speak, part of the reason, let me just really be honest with you, I don't like it because there's usually backlash. There's usually warfare for me. Alan would say, now, Alan and I have been, well, we've been married 45 years plus. Uh, we've been in ministry. I say we, you know, because for a long time it was Alan, and, but, I, but I was always right there. So um, we've been in ministry, I don't know, 42, 43 years of that time. So... When we were younger, I just kept the kids and did all the background stuff. And, and Alan never really talked about it that much. But I've heard him in recent years talk about when he was young and how, I mean, the enemy just wants to take you out. He doesn't want you to share what God has put on your heart. But Alan is well-seasoned. He's been doing this for 40 years. So he can get up at at the drop of a hat and do a message because it's so ingrained in him. He's been, he has his doctorate. He's been in so many seminaries. It's just ridiculous. I, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm still kind of a newbie, even though I've been in ministry with him for over 10 years now. I still consider myself kind of a newbie. So I have to press in and say, okay, Lord, you've given me something. Now help me, guide me, tell me where you want me to go with this. And I just heard him say, entitle this, A Beautiful Mind. Healing through a lifestyle of gratitude. See, we think of healing as you're in really bad shape. You have something really wrong with you. I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to miraculously, immediately heal you. But I think that God has called us to cultivate a lifestyle through which we are healed. We can be healed in a moment miraculously, but many of us have experienced healing gradually long-term, right? Yes. And I've, honestly, I've experienced both. I, ha I can still remember the first time Alan, he would make me go to these crazy conferences. <laughs> and I went, I would usually go with a lot of 
uh, of uncertainty, but I would go because he wanted me to go. And I remember this one time we went to this meeting with a friend of ours. His name is Randy Clark. Have any of you heard of Randy Clark? Okay, we've known Randy since 1998. And so we went out to his big meeting called Voice of the Apostles, and I don't know what had happened to me, but I w it was like I had carpal tunnel. And I could not even lift my hands to praise the Lord because it hurt. And I, I will never forget, we're sitting before the meeting. It, we weren't in the meeting. We're just sitting around. We had taken about 75 people from our church to this meeting. And one of the ladies, her name is Dama, she says, well, can, and I, I was saying something about what was going on. Well, can I pray for you? And I said, well, yeah, you know, me of such great faith. Yeah, you can pray for me. She prayed for me, and I'm telling you, instantly, my wrists were healed. And I was so excited because that meant I could lift my hands and praise the Lord, and I've never had another problem with my wrists. So I have had instant miraculous healing. But more often in my life, I've had gradual, a little bit falls away, a little bit falls away, gradual healing. So I think, and, and the exciting thing for me was that in the process of pressing in, because I'm like, Lord, I am sure that there's secular data to back this up. And there is. There is. And that was what really excited me. But let me give you some scripture. Uh, Romans 12.1, and you can read it up there, but I'm going to pull it up because this week I read it in the Passion Translation. Hold on, let me get to my, and I just loved it in the Passion Translation. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, no, that's the ESV, sorry. Hold on a minute, let me get to the Passion. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Is that, is that something we need to hear in this nation right now? Uh, and this is what's killing me because I'm watching what's happening in our culture and how People's minds are getting so twisted by what they're hearing every day. Just turn off the television, I'm telling you. Turn it off. If you will inwardly transform, be transformed by the Holy Spirit through, through a total reformation of how you think, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. I didn't see this when I when I entitled this, A Beautiful Mind. This, this is going to give you the power to live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. But let me tell you, when you say yes to the Lord, okay, I will do a message on gratefulness. What do you think is going to happen? Stuff's going to start happening, especially the week that you're going to have to get up there and tell all these people this wonderful thing. And <clears throat> Alan and Anthony are in the Dominican Republic, which I said I didn't want to go, but I'm pretty jealous because they're sending me pictures of how beautifully sunshiny it is. And if, do you all remember Thanksgiving Day? 
you're in Las Cruces. I was in Albuquerque watching it snow, snow, snow out my window, which is beautiful. However, that was not my trauma. My trauma was I am sitting at my kitchen table pressing in and trying to get this message together, and I kept hearing this noise. I, don't really, I can't even repeat the noise, but it, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what is that? And I <laughs> walked over, and my refrigerator is making this funny noise. Now, I'm telling you, this refrigerator has been an annoyance since the day we bought it. It just does not like me. It's, we bought this refrigerator when we moved in our house seven years ago. It's already been repaired twice. I'm like, I want this refrigerator out of here. But, so it's Thanksgiving Day. How many repair people do you know work on Thanksgiving? None. Now, I was smart enough that I just bought this little policy to help me because I knew this thing was going to go on the, on the fritz. But Thanksgiving Day, so <laughs> it is hilarious. I'm over at the refrigerator taking a video of what it's doing because I have never seen this before and I can't figure it out. So I'm sending it to my friends saying, how many do you know what this is? Well, he wrote me back and he said, I think your refrigerator is, it's going to quit. It's just going to quit. So can you, do you understand what's happening to me? My husband, not that he's any good with repairing anything, is out of town. It's Thanksgiving day. It's snowing and my refrigerator is going out. It took me a little while, maybe 30 minutes or an hour, to realize what this was. Do you know what it was? It was backlash. Because I had said, Lord, I will preach a message on being healed through gratefulness. <laughs> and the enemy's like, we'll see how grateful you are in all circumstances. <laughs> so once, this is Mama Gail. This is me. And the, let me just explain why I'm called Mama Gail. Because when I went out, how many of you have ever heard of Bill Johnson? You ever heard of Bill Johnson, some of you? Okay, he has a school of supernatural ministry. And our daughter was out there. I went out, we went out for her graduation in 2006. And the Lord said, you're supposed to do this. And I thought, I, anyway, we get home and I'm like, just, you know, forget it. Because I'm at this point working at a dental office. And we live 20 hours away from Redding, California. So I'm thinking, no way. I'll get home. It'll just all go away. I'll get back to my normal life. Well, it didn't. I, I, I could not get that off of my heart. So make long story short, I ended up going for nine months. I moved out to Redding, left Allen. We'd been married 34 years at that time. And it was the hardest and best year of my life because I did not realize how much was in me that need, God knew needed to be delivered, healed, whatever it was. And one of the things was I had in my mind I could not be a pastor because I don't have seminary. Alan at that time had had at least five, eight years of seminary, and I just kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't do that, I can't be that, I'm not, I'm not, and the, one of the very first things they taught us was, you are, cur there's power of life and death in the tongue, and you're cursing yourself with all that language, so that was a spanking from God, and I had to get past that, but I still spent 
probably six months with this attitude that I don't really know why I'm out here. I'm just doing this because God called me to. And one day I had an encounter with the Lord. And he said, Gail, I do not need you to be Alan Hawkins. I need you to be a mother. And it was like the light came on for me. And I said, oh, I can do that. It was that simple. So when I came home from Reading, I didn't return to my job at the dental office. And I started just helping Alan, but I still was not very comfortable with people calling me pastor. So the kids in Reading, when I was out there, our class was 300, and probably 5% were 50 and older. And it was the kids in Reading that started calling me Mama Gail. And that term has just stuck. Okay, back to my message. That's why, that's why they call me that. Okay, the next one. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. Perfect there doesn't mean no sin. It means perfect, complete, that you will be complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And then, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, we're made to be in connection, in communion with God. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were created to be in complete fellowship, surrounded. Alan would tell you that the reason they didn't wear clothes was because they were clothed in the glory of God. And when they listened to the serpent, who convinced them that they were lacking in something and they believed him, the glory left, and they realized that they were naked. Big problem. So even today, Jesus has come to renew and restore the connection that we have with our Heavenly Father. However, we still are at war until Jesus comes again. We're living in that time where we... We are, but not completely. Got it? So, our answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He dwells in us. He comes upon us. He fills us. He keeps us with that great connection. Got it? Right? Everybody's with me. But what's the problem? We still have an enemy that does not want that to happen. And so, stuff comes after us stuff comes after us. So my goal in life has been to learn to live so much in the Holy Spirit that I don't get taken out. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been at this, well, I've been at it for since I was little, but really at it for the last 12 years. And I am so much better than I was years ago, but I hadn't gotten there completely yet. So I'm, we're all, we're in this battle. We war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But our goal is the awareness 
that we have an enemy and there's a fight and we're going to win. And, you know, we have to give ourselves grace. So I gave myself grace on that day when um, the enemy wanted me to focus on my stupid refrigerator. Here was the good news. There's usually really good news once you get past it, and then you just feel so bad that you didn't just have this great faith through the whole thing. The good news is I had a second refrigerator, and that, so I was able to put all my stuff out in that other refrigerator. And my little policy worked, and I got somebody to come out, and you know what? My refrigerator works better today than it has in many, many years. Thank you, Jesus. So it was good news to that. But that, honestly, this is a minor, it's a minor deal. Most of us are, at times, have stuff that's a lot bigger than just a stupid, annoying, we're not supposed to say stupid, a bad, annoying refrigerator. So I want to tell you, I found this video this week, and I was so excited because I'm like, it goes with my message. The people in New Life City didn't, don't play it yet because i got to give you a setup. How many of you? are excited about the Super Bowl. Does anybody care? Nobody cares. Oh, I love sports. I love football. Alan played football all the way through college, and it was how he got through college. So I will find a team, because we don't have a team anymore. I'm from Mississippi. We never really had a team. We follow people. Okay, so I don't really have a team. But, well, I do love Dak. I love Dak, but... The rest of them I don't really care for. And don't even get me started on that. Um, but I will get so excited when I find out that there are Christians on a, on a team. And the Chiefs, I don't know, y'all probably don't care about the Chiefs, but they have Christians on their team. Supposedly, little Mahomes or whatever his name is, Christian. But I found this story this week, and it's really cool. You know, they have these mascots which I think is just hilarious. But this guy is, I think his name is Dan Mears. I looked him up. And he started out being a mascot in college. And then he said, I never dreamed that being a mascot would be my whole life career. This guy is 49 now. And he is the, the mascot for the Chiefs. It's really a fabulous story because he is a, an inspirational speaker and he really gets to use his, his career. I, I really tried to look it up and see if, is this all he does? Like, is, is this what he does all, you know, like 100% of the time? And I think he's made a life surrounding being this little character. So not, not having closely followed any professional football, um, I mean, as in going to the games and seeing all their little crazy mascots. So that's what he does. And I think we're going, my little friend at New Life uh, cut the video down because it was six minutes. I said, that's way too long. So I gave you the, the introduction. And let's see if we can get the rest of the story. Oh, we need the sound. We need the sound. in the upper level at Arrowhead Stadium. His fault, the day before debuting the stunt, he did a test jump without the costume that went horribly wrong. When I jumped out of the lights because of the slack that was still...
So he had ziplined into the stadium as one of his, I mean, like, they're really coming up with what is the next greatest, best, what can I outdo to make these people, these fans excited and happy. And so he had done a zipline. And so then they decide to do another stunt, and he is, he's going to practice. I think he's going to bungee jump into the stadium. He's a Christian, by the way. You can see because it's on CBN. What? Oh, we had it perfect, and now we can't. I have it on my computer, so I can turn it around and play it, but you won't be able to see it. How do I? Oh, you can't get it. I really want y'all to hear this story because it's pretty amazing and it goes with my message. Do you want me to try it from here? That's okay. Hey, I am not going to be undaunted. You are not going to get me. When I jumped out of the lights because of the slack that was still in the zip line that day. The day before debut. It's going to be much better up there. All right, try it. When I jumped out of the lights because of the slack that was still in the zip line that day, instead of falling 20 feet, I fell approximately 70 to 75 feet and I hit the seats in the upper level at Arrowhead Stadium. His fall broke two seats out of the stadium's concrete, but it was Dan's body that took most of the impact. I wasn't sure what all had happened, and I knew I'd never felt pain like that before in my life. Dan broke his back and seven ribs along with his tailbone and sacrum. He also had a collapsed lung and struggled to breathe. As he was lowered to the field, a friend rushed to his side and prayed for him. It was a good reminder that God's in control. You know, he had someone there in place that was gonna come pray for me and just just kind of my my reminder that, hey, it's, I'm here and, and uh, it's gonna be okay. The following day, Dan had two titanium rods surgically implanted in his back to secure his spine. He awoke from surgery thankful to be alive, but wondering why God allowed this accident to happen. There were times where I would just be sitting there in so much pain, I'd be like, God, I really don't like this plan. And I told him that. And, uh, but he reminded me, yeah, trust me, I'll get you through this. After nine days in the hospital, Dan went home. For the next six months, he endured grueling rehab and physical therapy. For a time, Dan struggled emotionally until he heard a message on Christian radio about thankfulness. He says, every morning you wake up, everybody's got something to complain about and everybody's got something to be thankful for. He said, whichever one you choose to focus on is gonna determine your attitude for the day. And I still remember sitting in my car, tears running down my face, that's shocking, I know. And, uh, but I realized that God just taught me a valuable lesson. I learned that, yeah, I could 
complain about my seven broken ribs or I could choose to be thankful I had 17 good ones that weren't broken, you know? I realized I could complain about my collapsed left lung that still wasn't completely healed or I could be thankful I had two lungs and the other one was working just fine. You know, there's all kinds of things I could complain about, but that day I, I stopped and I, I remember I told God thank you for my pain. And that's really hard to do. I, I'm, I think I'm pretty good about thanking him for my blessings. But saying thank you for pain is hard. But I did, I thanked him because I realized if I couldn't feel pain, I'd be dead or I'd be paralyzed. And then I thought about that, death, paralysis, or pain. I got the best one out of the three. I tell people I still wake up with pain every morning. God reminds me I get to make a choice. When I get out of bed, I can choose to rise and shine or I can choose to rise and whine. And I don't want to be a whiner. You see, whiners do not make a positive impact for Jesus Christ in this world. And, you know, as, as believers, we're called to, uh, to get out and make a difference in our world and to, and to shine the love of Christ everywhere we go. It's pretty incredible, huh? So this, this next week, when you're watching the Super Bowl, you'll know the story behind the mascot. Now, I think this accident happened in 2013, and he's, I think he's back at it. I, I, I wonder sometimes with rods in his back, how is he able to do all of the things that, that he once did? But <clears throat> um, it's just an incredible... There's, there's so many people that are dealing with so much. And as a minister, having been in ministry, this is, this is the history of what I see. I see people in their difficulties. Many times they blame God. They run from God. They hate God. And that the bitterness just grows and grows and grows. But then there are others, like my own mother. My dad died on my 11th birthday. And my mother, she, he was 46. My mother was 44 and had a radical mastectomy the month after my dad died. And she was never the same. She was not well my entire growing up. But what my mother she was a good Presbyterian. You know, there was a, there's my entire life, I've always understood that there's a mystery of things in life that we just don't understand. But I was taught that we have a good God who loves us. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that everything that happens to us is that God did that to me. And, and I, so I don't completely adhere to everything my mother taught me. But it was such a solid foundation because I learned stability. I learned faith. I learned um, perseverance from my mother. Life was not always easy in our household, um, but we always knew that we had a God who really loved us and was watching out for us. I wish that 
I could tell you everything in my life. I just lived that out perfectly. But boy, I didn't. I didn't. I, God had to teach me along the way. Learned to give myself grace. When Alan and I were very young and our first full-time pastorate, we were, we were Baptists at the time. We're in Florida <clears throat> and the church was growing and it was successful and we were very happy in our ministry there. And Alan had an encounter. A, a young lady came to him for counsel. She was not part of our church knocked on the door, wanted to, wanted to have some time with him. She was actually a delivery person, and she found herself 45 minutes away from where she lived in our part, part of town. And Alan very quickly, now remember, we're Baptists. We know nothing, very little about the demonic. And he very quickly said, you know, I don't really, first of all, he thought she was a man, she began to tell him things about her life that he felt were not appropriate for him to help her with. So he said, let me just pray for you and I can refer you somewhere. But he was kind to her. So when he, when he started to pray for her, she began roaring. And he stopped and he said, why did you do that? And she said, do what? Well, I mean, he's probably 38. He was young and never seen anything quite like this. So he prayed for her. She started that again. He just finished and got her out the door. She was a borderline per personality, border borderline personality disorder, but she was very, very demonized. Now, we knew nothing. And what ensued was, no kidding, a year of harassment, we didn't have caller ID in that day, and we didn't know what we were doing. And this lady had attached herself to Alan, and we went on a year journey of the most frightening thing I could ever describe in life to a, a very young couple who had three little children. She was determined that she was going to have him. And so she would call our house sometimes 20 times a day, and you didn't know. I mean, you're, you are a pastor. You cannot just not answer your phone, and there's no identification as to who's calling you. So it was interesting because if I would answer, she would, she would just hang up. But if she could get Alan on the phone, she wouldn't let him off the phone. And this went on for a year. We had suicide prevention calling us saying we've got this lady who you know and Alan he got to the point where he's like I, I can't help and then the suicide prevention person is saying aren't you a minister it was insane people insane I can honestly tell you I was not very thankful <laughs> I was afraid I mean, we had the police monitoring our neighborhood because she would call the police and say that somebody was going to come kill Alan. The point being, we didn't, we didn't understand who we were. We didn't know the authority that we carried. <clears throat> so February the 4th, 1999, I think it was. It might have been 98, but I think it was 99. 
Alan is, he's ready to preach that weekend and he has an encounter with her mother on the phone. And her mother actually thought that Alan was able to help her daughter. And Alan's trying to tell this mother how the girl is ruining our life. And he gets up on that morning. It was the early service, so the children and I were not there. And he had a public breakdown. They took him out, kicking and screaming. Uh, Alan did have a history of, of depression, so that didn't, that, you know, didn't help anything. To make a long story short, we had to prosecute this lady. The only thing that saved us was that she lived far enough away from us that every phone call was long distance, and so it was documented how many times she was calling us. But I can tell you, <laughs> oh, and so then a year she gets probation, and the day she gets off probation, she's calling us. Now, God was good because we thought, we thought our life in ministry was over, done. We were dead and buried. But this beautiful congregation in Albuquerque, New Mexico, came. And I remember Alan saying, because, you know, in the Baptist church, they send a committee, and you go through this whole process. And he's looking at me saying, should I tell them what we've been through? And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I'm for sure, no, no. But you, you got to know my husband. He's like, I can't not tell them. So we shared with this little group of people everything that we had been through. And they called us to Albuquerque anyway. They said, as long as you take care of yourself and you handle your depression, this doesn't matter. I think they actually thought it was beneficial. So today I can tell you, I, <laughs> I wouldn't really want to repeat that two years, but I can thank God for it. I can thank God. Why? Because there were things that he knew that we needed to understand and that one day um, we would have a ministry where we would help people get set free. Thankfully, that lady's name is Michelle. She got so much better because she, she was demonized, but, went, but they also could help her with her medication, with, her, with the counseling and all of that kind of thing. So what a journey, what a journey, what a journey. But that's what most commonly happens is we might not handle everything perfectly in the midst. We're getting better, we're getting better. But we can look back and say, even that God, I thank you. It was training ground for us. We needed to understand what we, we needed to understand the spirit world, not just know about it up here, but actually know about it. And these are the beautiful things that God does. All right. So you see my practical benefits. When, when I was researching, I found articles, and some of it is a little bit um, too hard to explain. So this is very simply the things that I found. I love love, love that we have secular research that backs up our spiritual principles, our God principles. Because, I mean, wouldn't that make sense? This is how he created us. So even the secular world understands the benefits. The benefits improves 
gratitude. If you, if you cultivate and live out a life of gratitude, your mental health and your sleep quality are improved. You will have reduced anxiety and depression. It helps you savor the positive experience. It, it experiences, helps reduce stress levels and life difficulties, boost your confidence and your self-esteem. It fosters empathy, improves your physical health, fosters resilience, strengthens relationships, and enhances mindfulness. Um, They're actually uh, hormones that are released in your body. And it activates the hypothalamus with downstream effects on metabolism, stress, and various behaviors. That is located at the base of your brain. It releases hormones responsible for many critical functions such as body temperature, emotional responses, and survival functions like appetite and sleep. One of the neurochemicals associated with the parts of the brain affected by gratitude is dopamine, the pleasure hormone. The studies showed that those who wrote letters of gratitude experienced increases in gratitude and effects long-term, as in three months later. That's cool. That's cool. So even if you're not a believer, these principles help you. But so much more as we come into Christ and we understand Holy Spirit life, so much more. One of my favorite books, you can go to the next slide. I mentioned Bill Johnson. When I was out there in Reading, he released a book called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord, and it was required reading for our class. When I read it, I thought, oh my goodness, this book is simple. At that time, I felt like a lot of what Bill was writing It was like, okay, there's somewhere in there. I mean, I used to sit in class, and he would say, are y'all with me? And I'm like, I'm trying to understand what you said two sentences ago. Stop doing that. But the book, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord, it was simple, but it was also profound for me. And I felt like Alan would do a class on, uh, he calls it the Emmaus Road. You can get that online. It's incredible. But it teaches you the story of what, the Bible is all about from beginning to end. So he would teach that so you'd have a great foundation in Scripture. And then I would come along and teach this, strengthen yourself in the Lord, because it teaches you practically how to live in the Holy Spirit. And one of the statements in the book that I love the most is this one. Physical, go back, physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. So practically living, if you, if you are after some kind of breakthrough in your life, then let's just practice a lifestyle of gratitude and thankfulness. It's almost like I'm saying let's do a test and let's see what the results are. So I've been on this quest at New Life City with my, I do a, a young women group, on a quest of saying, let it's almost like we're going to do an experiment for 2020. And we're going to cultivate a daily life of gratitude. And we're going to see what happens in our midst. And I think God's going to show us something. The, the um, spiritual benefits to gratitude. The next slide. 
It keeps being grateful, keeps our minds in alignment with God's principle. Christ's mind, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, right? We have the mind of Christ. Well, I think we can have the mind of Christ. It is the choice that we make. It's like grieving the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, but you can choose in ungratefulness to grieve the Holy Spirit, or you can activate the mind of Christ by living out the principles that he's given us. Christ's mind is activated in my mind as I focus on what he has done for me, even in the small things. It attracts heaven into our situations. All of heaven comes to back us up when our focus is Christward. Even in our difficulties, the angelic hosts are drawn to us when we thank him and praise him. The shift from our earthly reality to the heavenly reality releases kingdom strength into our circumstances. And I actually thought about Daniel and Sarah. The recent circumstance of what you guys have been through, remember? She's like, oh boy, do I ever. Okay, that was a little stressful. That was a stressful season. But you hold fast, and even in the midst of the mystery, I don't understand what all this is doing or why I'm going through this or what's happening, but look at the end result. Though Sarah had surgery, she her life became a testimony to the doctors because there was no cancer. You see? Do you see what I'm saying? This is what I'm talking about. When we cultivate a life of thankfulness, of gratefulness, we attract God's principles. We attract all of heaven comes to back us up. It creates an attitude of humility. It accomplishes the divine justice of the kingdom. The enemy is destroyed by the very thing he intended to use for our destruction. And knowing that, we, and knowing that we can participate in destroying the enemy's purposes, destroying the enemy's purposes should alone move us to thanksgiving. It brings us into the manifest presence of God. When our focus becomes Godward, his manifest presence becomes our reality. It connects us with what he is saying about our circumstances. And it releases joy, which is our strength. And as a result of all this, the presence of the Holy Spirit renews us in joy unspeakable. This is the economy of the kingdom of heaven. When am I supposed to be done? Am I supposed to be done right now? Okay, I have one more little story. And I'll try to make this one fast because this one just undid me. How many of you know who Corey Ten Boom is? Raise your hand if you know who she is. Okay. Well, you need to know her. You're going to love her. We're on this real resurrection of Corey Ten Boom um, for for various reasons in, in my household. So last year I did a class on revivalists and my daughter came to, and I just was asking people to pick one, pick a revivalist and come share on them in my class. And my daughter says, mom, I want to do Corey Ten Boom. And I thought, I don't think of her as a revivalist, but okay, if you want to do, if that's who you want to do, go ahead. Well, I'm telling you, we did about 12 different ones. 
And when Emily shared on Corey Ten Boom, it was the only one that moved me to tears. And I'm telling you, I sat there and bawled as she shared her story. So I decided for this message to pick that book up and, and reread it. And I mean, I'm just, I was just undone. It's called The Hiding Place. You really need to read The Hiding Place. But it wasn't so much Corey as it was her sister Betsy. So the Ten Booms were a family that lived in Holland at the, at the time of World War II. And they were a Christian family. Dad was a watchmaker. There were two daughters. The daughters were not either one married. I think Betsy was kind of um, unwell a lot of the time. So they just said there's more and more pressure coming against the Jews, and they just say we can't just not do something. So they actually had an architect come in and build onto their house. They built a hiding place, and they began taking in people that were at risk. And, uh, you know, it, we really need to re-study re all of that uh, time that, as to not forget the atrocities that happened. But long story short, eventually they are found out. And so the Nazis ar arrest them and they send them off to concentration camps. The father dies pretty quickly. He, he just can't make it. Uh, but Betsy and Corey are put in a cattle car where, I mean, they can hardly breathe. And I think it was four days before. I, if you're a visual person, just think about it. A cattle car for four days being taken. And we're talking in the four, 40s, the early 40s, 1940s. And so they get there, and, and of course, they just... <laughs> You just have to read about it. They do the most horrible things to these people that are, it, it's, not, it's unimaginable, unimaginable. So I can remember part of the story. They're sitting, they finally get to this place and they see this lake and they're thinking, okay, this, this isn't going to be too bad. And they plop down on this, on this um, straw and there's lice in the straw. So they're jumping up and, you know, getting away from all that. And they, but as they march them along and they get to the place where they're going to be, they realize that it's, it's the, there's no beauty in this place, none at all. But unbelievably, somehow, Corey is able to smuggle a Bible in with her undetected. Now, they're, they're making you take all your clothes off. They're putting on this little thing that's just barely a sheet. I don't know how, but somehow she gets a Bible into this concentration camp. They end up in this barracks, and the barracks should have held 400, and it has 1,400 women in it. And just the, can you imagine the anger and the, the stress and, and, and we're, we're, of what the situation is? But here's sweet little Betsy, Betsy who is not well. And, and this story is told through Corey's viewpoint because... Um, yeah, she's, she's the one telling the story. And Betsy's just like, but the Bible says we're supposed to give thanks in everything. And so when they get to the barracks, the barracks is flea infested. And Corey says, Betsy, I cannot thank God for the fleas. I just can't. But Corey, the Bible says we're supposed to give thanks for everything. 
And she's like, oh, brother. I mean, half the time I think Corey's just, I can't even believe this. The innocence and the childlikeness of this woman was incredible. So what they noticed was they had free reign. They're, the guards, were, they're not coming around. Every night they would come in from their long day of working and have very little to eat, and they would, they would do worship services. I really thought, Lord, how many women are going to be in the kingdom of heaven because of these two sisters, because of what they were able to share. I can't remember. I think it was about a year. Well, they, So Betsy gets really sick, and they do take her into the infirmary, and somehow she overhears and finds out, guess why the guards are not coming around to the barracks? Fleas. <laughs> they don't want anything to do with that barracks. So they have free reign. Do you, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? It's incredible. I'm telling you, read the story, The Hiding Place. You will be completely undone, and you will feel like I'm probably not even a Christian because <laughs> Betsy, she was just incredible. In the end, so... Um, Corey had an opportunity to go, to go to a different section, do something different. It would have eased her life. And she's, I can't do that. I'm not going to leave my sister. She felt so responsible to help her sister. And in the end, um, her sister dies. But Corey has an opportunity to go see Betsy. And now remember, they've been in a concentration camp, and they're, they're starved they're emaciated, it, it's just horrible. And when she sees Betsy in the infirmary, she said, it's as though she's young again. God had so renewed her appearance that it was a miracle. I mean, it, just a complete miracle. And very quickly after that, Corey is called in and she is, she's told she's gonna be released. And she doesn't really understand, but see, looking back, she, she could see that she would have never been able to leave that concentration camp if Betsy was alive. She couldn't have done it. So, oh, I know the other thing was <coughs> Betsy had a prophetic word. She had a vision and a prophecy that they were both going to be released by the end of the year. And, that, and she could see this house, that God was going to give them this house, and they were going to use that for his purposes. One day, one of the women is being beaten, 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 and Betsy says, I feel so sorry for them. And Corey thinks she means the one that's being beaten, and she actually means the guard because she, see, she knows they don't understand the love of God. So in the end, Corey gets released through a mistake. She's not supposed to be released. She does end up getting home, and she devotes the rest of her life to restore. She does get that house very supernaturally. She gets everything that, that um, Betsy saw in her vision came true. And she realizes, yes, we were both released by the end of the year. One of us went to heaven, went to be with the Lord, and, one of, and, and I'm out to do the work of Christ. So 
she goes, the, she spends the rest of her life, and, and she lived till in the 70s, because I still, I remember. I mean, you can see videos. But Corey's message becomes forgiveness. And one thing she had to do, because she she's back in Holland, she had to teach her fellow Dutch people to forgive their neighbors who had turned them in, the ones that had spoken against them. Because after the war, the tables turned, and those people couldn't find jobs. They couldn't find a way to make a living. They were, they were hated. And then she tells the story. Then her ministry spreads, and she's, now she's invited to go into Germany and other parts of the world to share her forgiveness story. And she tells about this one meeting that she is sharing all of this, and this man comes to her and says, I, I'm, I, your message is just it's profound, it's incredible. And she looks at him, and she realizes that he's one of the guards. And she said everything in her, everything in her said no, 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 I won't. But the Lord said, yes, you will. And when she reaches her hand out and she shakes the man's hand, liquid love passed, pulsated through her body into this man. Now, he didn't know who she was. He didn't recognize her because she didn't look the same. But she knew who he was. This is what life can be if we, um, if we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God through Christ. So practically, what are we going to do? How is this going to work out? Because I, you're going to have... We are going to have to set this as a purpose or it won't happen, I can promise you. And even if you set it out as a purpose, it's still not easy. So I felt like the Lord said, get a journal, begin every day writing what you're grateful for. Last week, I was not very grateful. My husband is in India, on the way to India. He is on the flight as he leaves the country, and he realizes he doesn't have his wallet. Someone has either stolen his wallet or he's lost it. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you know how it is when you're married. My whole goal in life is to take care of that man because I know what his life is like. He takes care of so many people. And it, I was rattled. He was rattled. I, I very rarely see Alan that way, but he was really rattled. And I'm the one saying, it's going to be okay, honey. It's going to be all right. I know. That day, it was a little hard for me to say I'm grateful. But in the end, we had bought travel insurance. I would never let him travel without some kind of insurance. And do you know the travel insurance is going to replace, pay to replace? He didn't really have that much in his wallet. He had his passport. He had a little bit of money. And I said, huh, you know what? For the first time, your hosts are going to have to take care of you. What a novel idea. <laughs> so there are days when it's a struggle. But, but what happens is if I just say, God, just give me something, something to be grateful for. And as I write out my blessings, I 
there's so much that we take for granted that are really blessings. You could even say, I'm, I thank you for this crisis because your glory is going to be shown through this crisis. You might not see it that day. I'm telling you, every single day in every circumstance, there is something to be grateful for. And as you begin to practice this, what's going to happen is you're going to be surprised at what the Lord brings to mind, the things that you have to be grateful for, to be thankful for. So, Father, I thank you. You're the Father of light. You're the Father of goodness. You love us beyond all comprehension. And, Lord, you have commanded us. You've commanded us to be grateful. You've commanded us to transform our mind, to be renewed, God, to not, be, not think the way the world thinks, but, God, to represent you where the world sees it one way, but they need to see you a different way. And you will, we will walk this life out practically and be an example to our coworkers, our neighbors, our family, those that say, why are you so happy all the time? Why are you being thankful? Because your life is just a mess. And you say, no, it's not a mess. Because Jesus Christ has done this amazing thing for me. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for having me. I'm so thankful for Mama Gail <laughs> and our Hawkins family in this house. I am so thankful for all of you. I, I'm thankful for, for what God has done over the last year and a half, and I, I'm thankful for what he's going to do. And uh, I'm excited for this next season. With that, I do have one more announcement that I forgot in the beginning. It's probably the most important announcement, and I'm like, I hope I have a moment to share it. We are changing our service times. So this is, this is an important announcement, or else everyone's going to show up. So um, next week, we're going to start meeting at 1030. Yay. I like that. Yays, 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 yays. We're moving, to, we're moving to morning service. You can still sleep in. It's not till 1030. And uh, no, no. You got to get up by like 10. <laughs> if, you, if you want, I'm sure we can, we can arrange like some sort of like calling so someone calls you and wakes you up. Or <laughs> um. But yeah, so so next, so I know a lot of you were stressed. You're like church, Super Bowl, church, Super Bowl. Now you don't have to decide. You could <laughs> you could do it both. See, that's why no one that's why no one made a comment about the Super Bowl because they're like, oh, next week we have we have to act like we're not fans and just pretend like we're sick next week and then. <laughs> okay, well, um, if anyone wants prayer. Um, come up, and uh, Mama Gail will be here, and a few of us. And if 
you could ask each other for prayer because you all have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And uh, if you need to leave, then bye. Have a blessed week. <laughs> have a blessed week. And um, I, I think be thankful for what God has done for you. If uh, also um, tithes and offerings are in the back and there's welcome cards.